EMS One Academy is the leading way in high-quality, affordable training for EMTs and paramedics nationwide. Your department can take advantage of more than 150 full-length training courses and 225 hours of EMS continuing education in a robust learning management system. Training is accredited by the Commission on Accreditation of Pre-Hospital Continuing Education. Administrative features include group administration, credential management, custom course creation, assignments, offline training tracking, and more, all customized to meet the needs of the EMS training officers. To schedule a free demo, go to ems1academy.com. Thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. Now the always entertaining Chris Ceballero and the Ted Nugent of EMS, Kelly Grayson. Well, here it is, and once again, it's time to go Inside EMS. I'm your host, Chris Ceballero, and here he is, the troublemaker. The troublemaker. (laughs) If you were on social media last week, you knew that Kelly Grayson started the co-host SmackDown on our last show, but here he is, the Ted Nugent of EMS, troublemaker Kelly Grayson. Kelly, how are you? I'm good, man. It's uh, I, I sense that you're still still bitter over your rousing defeat uh, uh, in our debate. So I, I got to tell you, I don't uh, see it that I, way. I hate that you feel that way. Yeah, well, I don't see know. it that way. I think that uh, I think really the uh, the audience was split. I think it was a fifty fifty. People thought you were just uh, ridiculous. Uh, you know, you had your backwood approach to uh, what you thought about the uh, the whole alternative transportation model, and uh, I felt and bad. You're all I felt bad. No, stop! No, stop! Me. I felt bad. <laughs> I, I I actually had to pray for you. I got on my hands and knees and said, "Dear Lord, please take care of my good friend Kelly tonight. He must be miserable in the fetal position, rocking back and forth." Yeah, I'm sure you. I'm sure you did that. Just that. Um, I, I didn't see it that way. Um, but you know, there were some good points made by our listeners uh, in, in that discussion. You know, they're they're uh, apparently MedStar's program with it is is doing fairly well. Uh, and um, and from what uh, uh, some other people posted, uh, they're actually triaging a great deal of those Omega calls uh, to non-ED destinations and to Uber. So that's a, or excuse me, to Lyft. So uh, that's that's actually pretty cool. Now, one of the things that I did not know in our discussions was that the the calls that get triaged to the nurse triage system and and to possibly transport by Lyft are omega level calls in the the priority dispatch system so right. those are those are already screened of very low acuity really don't need an ambulance uh i need to refill my medication it's been out a month kind of calls um so yeah that that uh that that has a different flavor than say a uh a paramedic initiated refusal or a higher acuity call uh and a paramedic going out there and decided it needed to be downgraded so yeah that's uh there was some excellent information there and and i'm still skeptical but right right uh, if uh, if MedStar can make a go of this and, and and do it well, and from what we hear, uh, Austin Travis County EMS is, is starting a, a similar program. Um, maybe they can be some uh, some system models for uh, for the rest of the country as we move forward to that. I still say medics need more education to be able to make these these decisions safely in the field. So you know, I think that one of the things too that you know it was really fun. I think that. 
you know, you and I, we banter on the show and we go back and forth and, you know, we had a little bit of fun on social media and we went back and forth with our positions. Mm-hmm. But I think one of the things that I really took from that, besides you being wrong, but took from that was that, <laughs> the, you know, we have Can't some really, <laughs> we have some really, you know, really engaged listeners. And these folks, I mean, I think that throughout the threads, there was almost 150 responses you know, to just the, you know, the, the mm-hmm. questions that we had. And I got to tell you, I think we got to send the shout out to those people who listen to our show, who, uh, you know, really kind of engage and, and really kind of follow us. And, you know, it was kind of a good feeling, Kelly, to uh, know that those folks are out there and they're really kind of uh, engaged with what we're doing here. Yeah, it is. It feels really good. And, and you know, um, uh, one listener said pretty much the same thing that, uh, that I, I say when I brag on myself is that, uh, Kelly Grayson's friends list, uh, his Facebook page is the best EMS forum out there because I've got a great, and, and, and that sounds so egotistical, it but does, what I mean man. by oh that is, gosh. is that the guys, the guys that engage with us and on that post and on others, uh, my Facebook friends list is pretty cool. And, and there's very little derp level there. There's uh, there's a bunch oh of intelligent, e- oh passionate EMS. Stop it. Stop loving on you. No, 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 no. That's, that's, that's not me bragging. That's me being lucky in the in the friends that i have on social media that's that's simply it it's mm-hmm. it's luck and i'm i'm privileged to have a such a, a awesome and diverse uh, uh array of friends i so. noticed that i'm not your friend on social media so what's up you are that? you are a friend of mine on social media you're a friend of mine in real life oh, i like okay. you in meat space Sebolero. thank you i appreciate it i appreciate it in meat space we have, we've broken bread together see that's above social oh is media. it really yeah yeah as a matter of fact i think i paid for that meal but anyway let's go ahead <laughs> we're really excited now to take a seat at the guest table and you know one of the things that we talk about a lot is we talk about you know the conferences and you know we go to regional conferences we go to national conferences where there's a conference that's coming up in may it's the zoll summit and a lot of people you know get to go to the zoll summit a lot of people when you talk about it some people don't know about it so joining us today from zoll is dave mcgowan and kelly turner dave how are you doing fantastic great to be here and I am really excited to talk to you. But before we do that, let's go ahead and say hello to Kelly. Kelly, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. How are you doing today? I'm doing wonderful. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm very excited that you're here. And you're going to kind of give us a little bit of background later on the Zoll Summit and exactly what people can expect to go there. But one of the things that I want to chat with Dave about is it's really exciting. One of Zoll's product is road safety. And, and I was a road safety fan when I used it. And, you know, one of the things that have come from this is really to kind of think about, you know, this whole culture of safety. And there was a lot of data. And Dave, you know, one of the things that when we think about safety within our field, it's really great that it's getting the attention it deserves. And one of the things that you did that I really want to kind of focus on for this show is, is you developed four safety courses. And I really want to kind of chat about those. But what was the catalyst for those developments? Um, well, you know, Chris, it actually, it, it kind of started back in 2005 um, when the service that I uh, worked for um, had a sentinel then, but unfortunately resulted in a uh, fatality. Um, you know, prior to this event, the, uh, the leadership team that we're on, we believe the crashes, you know, they were just the cost of doing business and there really was no focus on the ambulance safety. But uh, once we had that epiphany, um, you know, everything changed and um, I became really immersed in ambulance safety. And, and part of that is taking really deep dives and looking at the data um, from really a lot of reputable government agencies on the ambulance crash statistics. And that's all from like Department of Labor, OSHA, and NHTSA. And reviewing it, it became clearly evident that we have a safety epidemic. 
Um, you know, you look at our fatality rate in occupational vehicle crashes, and it's, and it's, it's literally more than uh, law enforcement and fire combined. And, you know, it's all evidence-based, and it's telling us that we, uh, we need to make the changes. So these presentations address the issues, you know, with basically best practices globally um, that I've come across. And um, it's not just EMS. I also uh, will uh, have a strong um, aviation uh, safety influence in uh, each one of these uh, presentations. So they're going to be a lot of fun to do. So, Dave, uh, first of all, welcome to the show. Uh, and I see here that you have four courses you developed uh, to present at the Zoll Summit. Can you outline them for us here? Uh, give us an idea of what you're going to be talking about. Yeah, so the um, the first one is high performance ambulance safety, and um, it's interesting. You'll find that these presentations that there's some of the content is crossed over into the other uh, presentations, but in the high performance ambulance safety, it's more of a fifty thousand foot look at ambulance safety, and um, the remaining uh, three will take a deeper dive as what's touched in uh, high performance ambulance safety. But in there, we'll look at statistics. We'll look at behavior based safety. Um, we'll touch on the financial true cost of a lost uh, crash. And then uh, we'll also take a look at um, how you conduct uh, safety audits. The other one um, is the culture of safe ambulance operations. And this is where we take that deeper dive into cultural changes and human factors that affect safety. Um, there's a heavy emphasis on just culture. And then I uh, go a little bit into touching on lights and sirens and then um, uh, hiring and onboarding practices to root out uh, you know, liability problems before an offer is made. And then lastly, we get into safety policies, the kind of the must-have of safety policies. And then um, I touch upon, uh, of course, that aviation component is uh, crew uh, resource management. The, uh, the third one, and this is one that I really like because you, you do get kind of a lot of different responses from people on this one, but um, it, it's, it's, it can be a very spirited conversation, but it's an emergent response, and I call it the uh, dangerous epidemic in EMS. And I begin this off with a, a news investigative report, and it really does kind of take a controversial look at responding lights and sirens from many different perspectives. So basically, the, the questions that are there is, Whose expectation that EMS respond emergent? Um, and who are those uh, stakeholders? Um, is the risk of responding lights and sirens outweighed by the benefits of favorable clinical outcome for the patient? Um, we'll get into the um, the published papers that uh, you know that uh, basically dispute that uh, faster response times uh, equate to better patient outcomes, with the exception of a few medical and uh, you know, clinical uh, medical. Uh, and uh, trauma cases. And then the, the key is, is that, and, th and this is probably the big question people ask, well, well, how do I educate my stakeholders, you know, and get them on board with me? So I, I kind of come up with kind of a, a systematic approach on, on how that you can communicate to your stakeholders and get them on board and help get that message out to other stakeholders that, you know what, maybe we're not coming uh, as fast as we used to in you know, educating on those dangers of operating in ways and sirens. And then the last one is um, ambulance safety design. The future is here. And that's a fun one, too, because um, the paradigm is shifting. This is, um, this is where we take, you know, a look at the European designs, you know, and they have a solid record for uh, keeping the clinician and patient safer in the events of crashes. And um, so what we're going to do in this one, I, I spotlight two U.S. services that have already begun that transition to, uh, to European style. And, um, you know, it's just giving, you know, the, uh, the, uh, the participants 
you know, giving them ideas, uh, you know, some things that they can change, little things that they can change, you know, to help make their patient and their uh, crew safer. Man, I got to tell you, that sounds like it's all great stuff. You know, one of the one of the things that I like what you brought up is, and you're absolutely right, is how do we engage those stakeholders? I mean, those are the people that we rely on when it comes to, you know, us doing our business sometimes. And, and we kind of forget that they're out there. So I really like that you're putting focus there. But I do want to touch mm-hmm. on one thing that you said, uh, you know, because we've kind of talked before, Dave. So, you know, you talk about the European design of ambulance compared to the, you know, the U.S. design, and, and they do have a better safety record than we do do you have a sense or or what's the biggest misconception maybe about ambulance safety in the united states compared to europe well you know i think i think what really what it is it boils down to is i think you know over in europe they have a strong culture of safety um it's deeply rooted um and there is you know the, the the vehicles are much different they're smaller the misconception could be is that i can't i can't effectively care for a patient in a small uh, you know a space like that and then i always pose the question to people when they say that i says well who here is aspiring to be a flight paramedic you know and you look at you look at our aircraft and helicopters and they effectively care for very sick and injured patients in a very small cramped space you know, and I think that that's a really great comparison. I mean, back in the old days, I mean, we didn't have these big box ambulances. We were working in the in the back of those vans, and we and we made those work okay. But I like your comparison about uh, you know being a flight medic. So you know, Dave, I've, I've got this question for you. I'm really okay. in, enjoying the the high performance ambulance safety concept of that course, and it really focuses on a deeper look of several successful behavior based safety programs. How will this help the mm-hmm. the EMS and fire organizations? Well, you know, the whole point of this is, you know, we don't have to reinvent the wheel. I mean, there are many proven programs available um, that have uh, made uh, great improvements in reducing safety at risk, you know, by changing behavior. And, and one classic example is just culture. Um, by the way, it has a module that's specifically designed for EMS, and it's extremely low cost, and um, EMS providers that, uh, that use it um, have told me it's changed their organizations and, you know, the results that they're getting speak for themselves. And it's, we're not only just talking about, you know, uh, cultures, uh, just culture program and just for ambulance safety. I mean, you can look at it the whole facet, you know, reducing med errors. You know, it's an absolutely great program. And then, you know, the the other one that we're, we're going to take a look at is proactive safety devices, you know, that, that identify unsafe driving behaviors, you know, alerts a driver to make a change in their driving behavior. I mean, again, new and upcoming. Let's the, the whole idea is let's not get into the crash in the first place. You know, let's squelch out those unsafe behaviors, and uh, you know, let's uh, let's keep everybody safe. Yeah, and I think that's a really important component. I mean, one of the things that's interesting is I remember the first time that I had the opportunity to use road safety. And of course it it does its thing, you know, when, when you're driving to kind of alert you, I had no idea that I was doing the things that I was doing until it was pointed out. And, you know, you drive an ambulance for 20 years and you think that you're really on a, you know, on a good path of uh, being safe until you realize, you know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't really doing the best job that I could. There's a lot of misconception, you know, because there's a fear of big brother watching um, and, you know, my clients across the U.S. and in Europe, you know, once, you know, once, once the, 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 their, their staff starts hearing about road safety, they get a little bit nervous with it. 
But once, once we're able to move them into road safety and we phase it in and, it's, and we educate them on the dangers of operating an ambulance, um, then they learn. And it's kind of almost like we, we unfreeze bad behaviors and then we change it and then we kind of refreeze in all those good behaviors. And then when I go back and do follow-ups, um, you know, I'll ask them, well, how is it? And they're going, you're right, Dave. It wasn't as bad as we thought it was. And you know what? We really enjoy driving this way for many different reasons. So it's, yeah, it, it, it's always great to hear that. Dave, one of the, uh, one, one of our frequent topics here on the show is, is Chris and I discuss the, the danger of lights and sirens response and how we need to start curtailing uh, routine uh, lights and sirens response is one of the most dangerous things we do is respond emergent to calls. So what strategies do we need to know to maximize safety when using lights and sirens? Well, you know, the pitch is, first off, we need to reduce the amount of unnecessary emergent responses in the U.S. You know, I mean, clearly, like I mentioned before, the published papers that I've read and uh, conclude that faster response times you know, does not equate to better patient outcomes. You know, again, with the exception of a few medical or trauma cases, we just need to slow down. We must do a much better job triaging the caller. Um, an example of that, I have a client in Switzerland, 7% of their calls go out emergent, while 3% go emergent back to the hospital. Of that 3%, most of those are pediatrics. And you look at their crash rate, and it's extremely, extremely low. But you know, with that being said, you know, um, you know, other, you know, other strategies include crew resource management. You know, taken from uh, aviation. You know, because driving emergent is a critical stage of the call, and you know, keeping the driver focused, utilizing your other crew member in the right seat to be proactive. Maybe handling radios, sirens, you know, be observing the road hazards and communicating with the driver, you know, we kind of call that the, uh, the silent cockpit. And I think lastly, slow down, slow down and slow down. Um, intersections are the number one place you're going to have a crash. Clear intersections, stop lane by lane. And I think we start doing things like that. We can start reducing those crashes. Dave, follow-up question for you. Do you have a feel that EMS providers have a sense of urgency when it comes to a culture of safety during ambulance operations, or, or are we as a profession way more complacent than we need to be? You know, I think it's. I think it goes back to, you know, kind of the, the mindset with a lot of people. And, you know, I, have, I, I deal with two different types. I deal with those that are proactive um, and those that are reactionary. And unfortunately, those that are reactionary – um, they don't look at it um, as wanting to improve. Hey, that's the cost of doing business. That's the way we've always done it here. Why change? Hey, we haven't had a crash in six months. Why should we worry about it? But I think now that the the research, you know, is much more prevalent, especially a study that was done by NHTSA that did a 20-year um, retrospective analysis on crashes, I mean, that right there is kind of the holy grail. That told us, you know, we have some major problems, you know, in the U.S. So, you know, very proactive, you know, leaders in EMS saw that, you know, and they're saying to themselves, wait a minute, we have a problem here. We need to correct that. Because, look, everything we do clinically is, is evidence-based, okay? And we do that, and we do that very, very well. But operationally, okay, we have to start looking what the evidence is telling us and the direction that we need to go. So are we there yet? No, we're not there yet. Are we making strides? Yeah, we're making strides. 
you know, I'm seeing a lot more topics on ambulance safety at national conferences. You know, you're picking up trade journals. You're seeing more articles on that. So, yeah, we're getting there. Um, and that, that's encouraging. Are we getting there fast enough? Not for me, no. But, you know, at least we're going in the right direction. And that is encouraging. Yeah, and I think that brings up a really good point. I mean, again, you know, it goes back to that whole discussion of are, are we, you know, really thinking about our safety as we're trying to get to other people's emergencies? And, you know, we, we hate it when we read in the, you know, in the, in the, you know, in the news that there are, you know, ambulances that are crashing. And, you know, sometimes these folks are even falling asleep at the wheel and something really has to be done about that. Mm-hmm. So, Dave, these courses that we talked about, you're actually going to be teaching at the Zoll Summit in the middle of May. And, uh, you know, so folks are going to have that opportunity to see you there and deliver this great stuff. And I think this is a great transition now to kind of bring Kelly in here and talk about the Zoll Summit. Um, you have been, uh, you know, you've been doing this uh, for many years now. And and I guess a lot of people don't know about the Zoll Summit. So maybe what you can do is, you know, you know, this is one of those conferences that don't get a lot of attention. But maybe you can share a little bit about the Zoll Summit, how long it's been going on, and, and what people can expect if they are part, uh, you know, of this show that's going to be happening in the middle of May? I'd be happy to. So uh, this is our 20th year doing Summit. So we're especially excited about um, this year. Um, it started off more as a user conference for Zoll data customers, the, the, those who had our products. Uh, but it's evolved over the years. Um, and now it's really a healthy mix of product training for Zoll users, but as well as best practices in the industry. And when I talk about best practices, I'm more talking about uh, in terms of operational efficiency, because all our products have to deal with, they're software-based, and they have to deal with um, how you can uh, improve operational efficiency. So our topics really kind of um, uh, focus on, on, on that. Um, there are some uh, clinical topics as well, but I would say the majority are um, focused on operational efficiency. Kelly, nice name, by the way. Uh, do you have to be a Zoll customer to be a part of the summit? I mean, can can non-customers, people outside your uh, your sphere, uh, attend the summit? What are some of the classes you, you've got scheduled this year? So you do not have to be a Zoll customer to attend. As I mentioned before, it's a healthy balance of Zoll um, product training, but there's there is a uh, about fifty percent uh, focused on training, and then fifty percent focused on um, improving uh, operational efficiency within your organization. Um, so, again, you don't have to be a Zoll customer. Um, for example, the four, the four courses that uh, Dave will be teaching um, are applicable to anybody in the industry. Uh, and that's, that's the same as with probably a good 50% of our content. We have 130 sessions going on over three days. We have um, thought leaders, uh, roughly about 40 speaking uh, and what they're there to do is really share their successes and, and give you ways that you can incorporate um, their successes into your everyday work life. Uh, that sounds really great. Um, I, I'm going to have to uh, make a note to schedule May in, uh, in Denver one of these years and get out to the summit. Yeah, one of the things that we could do too, Kelly, uh, both Kellys, I guess, is if you want, we could bring the show out there. We could do a live uh, show from Zoll Summit. And kind of oh, yeah. get some of our listeners out there as part of that audience. So, you know, Kelly, if, if folks want to find out a little bit about the summit, uh, if they can get there this year, uh, how, where can they go and find out more information about registering and becoming part of that show? 
Sure, you can go directly to the Zoldata website, which is www.zoldata.com. And um, right on the homepage, there's tons of links. Um, for a more direct link, you can go to summit.zoldata.com. That Either sounds... way, that'll get you there, and there's uh, tons of great information. That sounds awesome. And Dave, do us a favor that after the summit is over and you know you have success with these classes, maybe you come back and join us and we take kind of one course at a time, and maybe you just kind of give us some high points and some tips and you know let the listeners kind of really feel all that uh, research that you've done and see if it can make a difference in their everyday. Well, I really enjoy that, so I would look forward to... Uh your call and uh, schedule that up. Yeah, we you have an open you both of you guys have an open invitation. Come on back anytime. Don't forget to bring a covered dish. But <laughs> so uh with that I think right. it's time that we need to go. So Dave McGowan and and Kelly Turner, I want to thank you for joining us on Inside EMS. But Kelly, I think it's time to put the wraps on another show and move us along to next week. Yes it is. And I just want to tell Dave that my my preferred covered dish is Cheetos. Um, so, uh, when you come bring, bring extra Cheetos and, uh, we'll save a spot on the beanbag chair for you, but Hey, thanks to, uh, Kelly and Dave from Zoll for, uh, for, uh, joining us here today. And if you have questions about the Zoll summit, uh, if you have concerns, comments, and suggestions, email us at the show at ems1.com and for myself and co-host Chris Sebolero and our guest today, Kelly and Dave from Zoll. Thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>